get it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Before We Go, from 2014. It's the directorial debut of Chris Evans, who people mostly know as Captain America. You know, having covered Ryan Gosling's directorial debut, Lost River, last year, or the year before, I can't recall, uh, we thought we'd get into another actor who mentions he wants to be a director, uh, Chris Evans. Uh, If you haven't seen Before We Go, we always discuss films on this podcast with spoilers in mind. So we recommend you check out the film uh, if you're interested before pursuing the rest of this podcast. Lloyd, uh, when people say they want to be directors and they're actors, you know, it's hit and miss. I mean, we've got Ben Affleck who's doing great things. And then, as you recall, uh, Ryan Gosling's was a little hit and miss, a little, you know, murkier, a little not quite developed as a talent. Well, like I said, with Ryan Gosling's Lost River, I think if this is his directing mindset despite what everyone thinks of Lost River, I I think it's a healthy one because there there are a lot of interesting things in Lost River and he's not going for basic meat and potatoes. He's at least trying different things and his temperament just seems really healthy. Like it's, it's, it's a really good one. And I feel the same with Chris Evans is on a good track here, choosing a very small romantic movie set in one night Uh, I think his greatest strength is his comedy acting background. I do feel all the actors in this film are on the screen with confidence because it it is a film star directing them. They just, uh, not to put actors down, but they just seem to have much more of a vibrancy like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this for Chris Evans. Like, oh, it's one of us. He's an actor. I want to you know, want this to really work for him. You know, I just feel um, acting directors are able to conjure those performances out of um, their troops because they themselves are are one of them. I um, I thought this was a very safe debut in the sense that it's a romantic comedy. That's sort of something that he's a handsome guy, you put in a good-looking girl, you know, you sell us a love story. You know, you don't have to push and do too much as a director. I mean, put in a bit of lens flare, a bit of nice music. This almost sort of does itself. Well, what would you think of the cinematography uh, by John Gulosarian, who also shot About Time? I didn't think it was hugely memorable. I didn't notice it as much, I suppose. Um, to, to me, it looked like uh, he shot it like on a Canon 5D Mark III, usually, you know, with like a 50 mil on it. Um, but it was most likely shot w- with a red camera of some sort. I'm assuming I it's digital. Red, yeah, yeah, digital. like a, yeah, like digital camera. Just because of the budget in this movie, I don't think they would have shot this on film. But a lot of the imagery just reminds me of Philip Bloom during the height of the DSLR eras, where you got that shallow depth of field and then a lot of uh, lights in the background that are blurred out. Just uh, just packed full of that. Just looked really low budget. I know this isn't a high budget film, but it isn't a low budget film as well. But a lot of people praise the look of this film. They, like, it makes New York look really warm and inviting. Um, I thought it was perfectly serviceable. What about the fact that this script has four screenwriters and two story buys? I know the story buys are the same people who did the screenplays, but four people wrote this. None of them were Chris Evans. So 
he became attached to this project and to get it made, had to direct it. You know, the director steps down or whatever happens. Um, he had to go, right, well, if this is going to be made, I'm going to do it. Which means he really believes in this story. For me, there aren't as many redeeming qualities because there are really story holes for me that uh, I never got past to get into the film. You know, they seem to have not as good chemistry as other romantic comedies we've seen as well. It's sort of just going through the motions. I know New York, as you're sort of saying, looks beautiful and inviting, but it's sort of the worst time to shoot a film in New York overnight. Like, what's open? What's happening? If they'd sort of been spending the day in New York, you can go anywhere at any landmark and see anything, you know? And recently we did La La Land, and they sort of made really good use of the fact that they were in L.A., they could have they could have done a walk through Central Park because that place looks amazing at night. <laughs> there you go. That that's immediately a better movie right there. I mean, I'm just that's... kidding. Central Park is so dark at night. <laughs> but she she got a bag snatched at some point, so maybe that could have happened in Central Park. <laughs> it's kind of an all night version of the film Once, which is you know about a busker who falls in love. But as well, it's got kind of this before sunrise vibe, you know, the Ethan yeah. Hawke film. I saw a lot of comparisons of that yeah. movie when reading the reviews, yeah. And I mean, I think I've listened to some interviews with Chris Evans. He sounds like a bit of a romantic. He's got sisters, you know, he's got a bit of a level head on him. I just don't know if this was the right sort of directorial debut. And everyone likes Chris Evans as well. He's just a really likable guy. You know, so if, if he approached um, like a Hollywood producer, go, oh, I really want to make this Captain America. Yeah, sure, man. Let, let's do it. <laughs> I kept thinking he looked really pale, Chris Evans. And I don't know if he looks so pale as Captain America. He I probably to... does and they grade him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. He looked so pale in this with the digital cameras. And um, yeah, like the whole time I was thinking, I mean, I guess it makes sense for his character. He's playing trumpet all night. And he's stewing about a girl for several years. Yeah, exactly. The trumpet was an interesting choice of busker instrument as well. Well, was... this is, this felt so very hipster, this film, and I hate <laughs> slapping that tag on movies, but I'm sorry it does, and I'm surprised they didn't make Chris Evans' character a, a ukulele player <laughs> busking for money. <laughs> and not like, even it was caring. Really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was a big stretch for me, that moment where they start singing. Of course, it had to have a moment where she's singing at a jazz... No, it wasn't a jazz club. It was a party, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, like um, the, uh, I don't know, an engagement party or something. Yeah, but oh my gosh, like that was really hipster, like just something out of a hipster film. But I'm just glad they didn't have that moment where they talk in a bathtub to each mm. other. <laughs> I have a really intimate moment there. That would have just been, oh, okay, you've lost me. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact that she's lost her purse at the beginning of this film, right? It's a Prada purse and some crooks have taken this purse or they've taken the contents and dumped the purse and they can go to find a bartender that will then hook them up with an address where they can go and purchase the bag back was crazy. Is that a thing? I have no idea. I mean, really, it seemed insane to me that the bartender would help them because it's crime, basically. Like, anyway, um, the thing I was wondering if it was real was when you go to a hotel, do people draw on the back of uh, the pictures? <laughs> now you're going to uh, see I'm if that's I'm absolutely going to check, yeah. I'm staying in a hotel in the near future and 
I'm definitely going to check. Like, first thing I'm going to do when I get in that room. Uh, but the the crazy thing is, like, Alice Eve is attractive. She was in Star Trek recently. You know, she's in a lot of TV shows and stuff. Anyway, the thing is, you don't meet a perfect stranger and then offer to pay a $1,000 fare for them to Boston. He's a busker with a credit card that obviously gets declined, which is why they don't do that. But have you ever met somebody and thought, yeah, I'm going to give you $1,000 within two minutes of meeting them. I like his positivity and, like Nick, um, Chris Evans, I like his positivity and his willingness to try things. I think he's he's obviously just doing it because he met this really attractive girl and wants to make an impression. But I did find his confidence really contagious uh, throughout the whole movie and at times it seemed absurd, but I, I don't know why because I, I think it's just because Chris Evans is so likeable. Uh, it really, I just went with it. <laughs> I kept thinking he would have to sell his trumpet at some kind of pawn shop or something and that that would have been the big romantic gesture, you know, to get her home in time to, you know, get oh, the letter off yeah. the table. Jeez, you should have wrote the script. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the one thing he had, but then he needed it for the audition at the end. Uh, he gets an audition, and that's what he's got the next day. I kept thinking we really should have seen that, shouldn't we? It ends hopefully, you know, like it's a hopeful ending that they might see each other again, but kind of didn't you want to see him then win at an audition or at life? Um, it, just a quick thing, Hustle and Flow, the film with Terrence Howard. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay, well, at the end, I, I will not spoil it then, um, but at the end... It ends really optimistically because of where his character's kind of at in his life now, based on what happened in the movie. But for Chris Evans, I feel like he's still in the same situation until we see that audition. The fact that they could kind of... This really bugged me. There's like a fire escape that they can kind of push the doors through and head down and then just kind of push their way out. Oh, when they escape from that party when they I weren't think so, the band. Yeah, yeah. They, um, they push out, you know, there's like crash bar doors... Those can get locked, and they do, overnight. And they were spending the whole film during overnight. I remember, you know, a few times trying to get out when I worked at Hoyt's or, like, at a cinema, people would always get locked in by those crash bars. So maybe it's a different rule in the States. But that kind of threw me because it just took me out of the film. I just kept thinking, oh, well, they're not going to be able to get out of those crash bars. Maybe emergency exits are always open from the inside in the States. But, yeah, a little bit of a different situation. Do people ever look this good at 3am, Lloyd? <laughs> well, what time, that wedding party, that was obviously the reception. What time do you think that occurred? Because obviously they got there very late and he saw the girl that he's liked for a very long time and she's pregnant and so forth. What time do you think that was at night? Oh, I mean, it must be before midnight because... The trains sort of, well, wow, maybe it's after midnight. If the trains finish at midnight, then they walk around for ages. Is the party at like 2 or 3 a.m.? No idea. <laughs> this is, they don't exactly kind of spell it out, but... Because he actually leaves the party, then he goes back to the party yeah. after that, that heart-to-heart. So I'm thinking it was like at 1.30, 2 a.m. Yeah, maybe. okay. Yeah. That seems that seems believable, and that and then they see the psychic afterwards. <laughs> yeah, which again, yeah, uh, Hannah, who was played by Emma Fitzpatrick, that was his ex girlfriend who was now pregnant. Um, I felt like that was a scene that should have been included because he just kind of comes back from. The most interesting thing in that scene was when the two of them were talking, and we get it from Brooke's point of view, played by Alice Eve. So we're standing way back, watching this scene that we should be able to hear in the distance. 
uh, when they're in that kind of um, after party. And what's frustrating about that is then she heads outside and we get the information secondhand. And it really doesn't help us see that Nick was in love with Hannah. It doesn't give a good opportunity to have him act, really. We take away the heart of the film, in a way. I know that this is sort of about moving on, and maybe they don't want to show Nick and Hannah be in love, but part of it is him getting over her to move on. Yeah, it seemed like the creators were too afraid to leave the main two leads all the time as they were writing this way. Like, now we can't break away from them. This is their story and so forth. Like the, the few times that it does break away with just her and then, you know, she's on the phone talking to her husband and we get those interesting jump cuts where there's dialogue but just her facial expressions are going and she's not actually talking, you know. So there's some jarring techniques both technically and uh, structurally uh, in in the story and how it chooses to uh, reveal certain information. At first, uh, I didn't pick up it was an art deal that she was selling in New York. I, I seriously thought her, her and her husband were into some sort of shady uh, uh, dealings or something like that. <laughs> yeah, she's an unreliable narrator because she lies about her name and stuff yeah, as well. We don't, so we don't, don't know, know how much of that is true. As well, there's sort of jarring phone calls. I wrote down jarring phone call dialogue over random shots of non-speaking totally took me out of the film and I know it was for an artistic effect and you know but it was not in the tone with the rest of the movie good filmmaking is one that you don't notice and if you notice that Dave then it can't be that good (laughs) well you know what I did like my one thing that I sort of took away from this movie that I went yeah you know what I really like that as an idea is when they were picking up the phones and talking to themselves me too leaving messages for themselves it felt like the sweet kind of nice sort of thing about the film that was maybe the reason Chris Evans wanted to make it. Oh my gosh, that's exactly on my notes. <laughs> I, I think the reason why Chris Evans chose to do this movie, and it's what I liked most about this movie, is that the whole film builds to that scene on the phone. At, at the very end, when they, when they say, pick up the phone, pretend to talk to your past selves, he says... And I think this is why Chris Evans chose to do the whole movie because the whole movie builds up to this line and it really got me, which is why I'm not so brutal on this film. But he says, stay with her. You're going to need her a lot more than she needs you. And his performance really got to me. I thought it was beautiful and I really do believe um, Chris Evans wanted saw something in that scene and really felt he could really push that and I thought he did. And Because uh, th- this film isn't great. It's been destroyed by critics everywhere. But uh, I-, I just think as a first film, um, Chris Evans has done okay here. He's learning the ropes and everything like that. And I, I think this isn't that bad, you know. And I-, I thought that was a very beautiful moment, both of directing and of uh, performance. Well, I mean, it's an independent film, isn't it? So in many ways, I kind of felt like there wasn't enough story and that it was sort of fluffy and uh, like a short film that had been stretched into a feature. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then when they said things, there was that line when Hannah, the ex, the first time they've seen each other in six years, and she's like, should we get coffee? Can we go on a double date? You know, and then she sort of offers, if something changes, I'm at the blah, blah hotel. I think she said Soho Grand. As if you would yell that. Why would you advertise that? Like, it felt so strange. I know she obviously wanted to keep talking to him, But in front of her, like, boyfriend, husband, you know, new man, just in front of Alice Eve's character, Brooke, it felt like such an odd choice 
for her to say, well, you know, come meet me later. I'm staying at this hotel. Bring your date. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it, sure. <laughs> I've written the once elegant instrument, the trumpet. It's so hard to do a song without a singer. Like, what is he doing? Little Spanish Flea or <laughs> is he doing uh, The Last Post? <laughs> the Anzac <laughs> music? I mean, it's it's like jazz, but it's less romantic because it's just the trumpet. And I think we probably didn't see as much playing of the trumpet because Chris Evans in the IMDb trivia says he didn't have time to learn it all. So, you know, you don't get that. (laughs) What did you make of the psychic scene? I I wasn't a fan of it at all. And just when I saw it coming as well, I go, let's go. Let's try it out. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I wrote hokey. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of hokey. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I felt like... How many phone numbers do you know off by heart these days? Because they take away the element of their mobile phones, you know, forcing the characters to talk to each other and making sure that they're not reachable by their friends and, you know, by her husband. They take away the mobile phones. Hers is broken. His is out of batteries. And so they have to talk, but they are able to use pay phones and call people. So I don't know how many numbers you know off by heart right now. Well, I like, don't know any. <laughs> yeah, well, I know this, my home phone number. In like this my, day and my age. landline, yeah. They seem to know a lot. I sort of made a note of that. Doesn't she actually go, you know his number? And off by heart. Maybe they do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but I found that unlikely, I suppose. Yeah, just in the hotel scene when he when they were checking the back of um, uh, the pictures to see if that anything anyone drew anything and there was something and then he starts dialing one of his friends. I thought she said something about that. Mm. I could be wrong. Well, I thought as well that, like, when you stay up all night, you know, you pull an all-nighter, you're yawning all the time. I felt like the characters weren't tired and didn't yawn and didn't display the characteristics of people that had been up all night. And as well, like, I don't know about you, but I get hungrier than these people were. (laughs) (laughs) They they just seem to have had coffee. Yeah. The one time that he does order room service, I think, uh, towards the end of the film... During the final scenes, he does order room service, but we never actually see the meat. I want to talk about uh, her storyline for a second. So she's rushing to get that train to Boston because she needs to get home because she left her wedding ring in a letter on the table that says she knows he's having an affair and she's made up her decision to leave. But now she's changed her mind and doesn't want him to know and has to beat her husband home, basically. That is her goal in the film. So... Would you really want to stay with this guy? I mean, I don't know what changed. What changed before she met yeah. Chris Evans? Because she just sort of went, wait, I don't want to do this. But there was no impetus, I suppose. The fact that she meets Chris Evans' character, Nick, is kind of the thing that makes her, maybe at the end, decide it's okay and she's going to leave him. Through the events of the film, that's where we get to her character's development, <laughs> which is also spelt out by the psychic, you know, I'm going to spell out all your character choices for you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's what I was afraid of in that that psychic scene, and that's exactly what I got. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, okay, so she gets home, she hides the letter, right? She's not going to tell him that she knows about the affair he's having. She's going to live with that secret and be like, eh, this is good enough. The thing that annoyed me most, most of all, Lloyd, I want you to uh, put yourself in the situation of the husband, okay? He's going to go home and see his wife, Brooke, and played by Alice Eve, and he's he's a pretty happy guy. He talks to her on that payphone call when she's outside the Prada bag place. And she says, I just miss you. And he says, I'm going to come home. I'll see you in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And that's when it becomes real for her. Now, she sends her neighbor 
to break into the house or, like, you know, get the letter off the desk, right? She sets off the house alarm. So the neighbour has set off the house alarm, and when she calls the neighbour back, I think they're at the psychics, she calls the neighbour back and says, how'd you go? I just wanted to thank you. And she's like, I've been trying to call you. You know, your alarm went off, and, uh, you know, I ran out of there. I chickened out. I didn't get the note. And then it's like, oh, crap, he's definitely going to see this letter. Well, I thought she couldn't get in because there was no key. But then she was trying to break in, and the alarm was going off. Oh, right, and, and the alarm did go off. Okay, sure. I must have missed that. All right, so I'm the alarm company. I'm just going to call up, uh, let's say Alice Eve's character, Brooke, is the first one on the alarm call sheet. Ring, ring, phone's broken, they don't get through. Second person they call, her husband. Ring, 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 he wakes up. It's 3am or something at this point. And uh, he's like, oh my gosh, the alarm's going off? Okay, alright, I'll call the house phone. She's home, she's home, her mobile must be off. Calls the house phone. Nobody picks up, because she's in New York. He's freaking out. He's like, oh, I'm going back there in the morning. You know, he calls the cops. He gets them to go to the house. She's not there. At this point, he's thinking she's kidnapped or something, surely. He, he'd be freaking out for the rest of the night. He can't reach her. The poor guy, his house has, like, been burgled as far as he knows. Um, unless a police officer goes in and finds the note and tells him over the phone <laughs> <laughs> while the alarm is blaring, going, listen, mate, she's left you. Her ring's in here. He's not going to know until the morning. No, he's going to be like, the burglar must have left this note. <laughs> <laughs> so just, like, for me, the what was going on with his character seemed like a really interesting story in itself. <laughs> Are you saying it sounded better than the story that we watched? Oh, no. I mean, I can't tell you how many times friends of mine have given me the key cards to their hotel rooms so I can have a shower. And, and they have never turned up to that hotel room all night because they just passed out somewhere else, just despite the fact that they had a hotel. <laughs> how, how douchey did his friend seem? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, my God. I mean, that's, to be honest, I, I feel like there wasn't really a B or a C story here. I realise, like, all right, the A stories for each of them is, like, Chris Evans' character is getting over a girl... But he's not really the lead, even. Like, her story is what drives the story. She needs to get this money, and so he's helping her. She's the A story. And then I felt like maybe the friends and other people could have had something. That's why it felt so much like a short story. Stretched out. Stretched out, yeah. Um, I wrote down everything in the background is out of focus because they are the center of the world. <laughs> that was my commentary on your cinematography. Everything out of focus. <laughs> You know, they're in that hotel room, which, as I mentioned, they get the key card for, and they kiss. But it doesn't feel romantic to me. It felt like a rebound. He's just found out his ex is pregnant. She's thinking about leaving her marriage. It doesn't feel like they're soulmates. And they're both just lonely people. I mean, I know this is painted as a rom-com, but it's not a rom-com. It's like a couple of sad people staying awake all night together. Yeah, it's weird that he says... Um at the end, he goes, oh, thank you. Like when he's talking to his past self, he goes, oh, thank you for showing me that I can love somebody more than one person. Mm. And it's just like, she's like, well, I don't love you, not to break your heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And for me, the title is all wrong. Before we go, I have forgotten the title Before We Go a few times. Uh, same. Because <laughs> there's a movie called Before We Met yeah, <laughs> that's come out last year, and um, I've had to look up Chris. Evans. I kept thinking of Before Sunrise, <laughs> probably because of all the re um, the critics that I've been reading on this film. 
I was I can't think of a better one, obviously, right now, but it's so Before generic. Sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> Before Sunrise three. <laughs> Before Sunrise, my gosh. It's the same yeah, it's the same movie. Yeah, they, they tick the card that says that it exceeds expectations and presumably at the end of this film it says turn over on the card and maybe he's left his phone number, which is useless because they don't have phones right now, but um, it does leave kind of a hopeful they'll see each other again. I mean, they could just add each other on Facebook. You don't need to <laughs> go to that kind of romantic length, say. Yeah, no, I, I would have added in the audition. Uh, I maybe would have had her stay and make him go to the audition because it doesn't matter anymore in the morning. She doesn't have to rush home. You know, she she could have pushed him to do that because he wasn't really going to do it. He was waiting for a sign, you know, that destiny and that that none of that worked for me, the destiny stuff. I found it hokey, just like the psychic readings. This is a, like a critical failure, right? And Chris Evans wants to move into directing. He said he wants to quit playing Captain America. Where do you see him go from... Oh, jeez, I'm forgetting the title <laughs> before already. We before go. we go. <laughs> Isn't that where a do you see him, <laughs> where, where do you see him go from here? Well, look, this was a drama. It just was dressed as a rom-com. He needs to do a straight drama. He doesn't have to write it. He can get four writers to do it just like yeah, this. Yeah, he, he needs a, a good script writer, I yeah. think. Um, I, I don't think he's got any fancy tricks with his camera movements or anything. He's really relying on a, a good cinematographer. I, I don't think he's that kind of a director to to have that pre-visual sort of style. I, I didn't see any evidence of that throughout this whole movie. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to say he doesn't have any tricky camera movements or, or anything like that, but it just doesn't seem like that that mindset is in him at all um, in in this film he's uh, you know he, I think if he gets a good dramatic script as you as you say um, his strength as a uh, an actor will really shine through I think he can conjure some really good charismatic performance um, by a lot of actors or it might be as you said a comedy you know he's got a strong comedic background yeah I think the problem is he probably isn't ready to be both in front and behind the camera. Uh, ben Affleck wasn't ready to do it right away. You know, it took time and like a lifetime of working in film. And I know it's a popular thing to see Ben Affleck win for Argo and be like, awesome, I'll write and direct something. You know, he didn't write this, you know, Chris Evans, but to direct and star in something, it's tough to direct yourself. It must be. Um, and maybe he's wearing too many hats in this. It didn't quite fully form. It felt like this was a cake that, you know, came out of the oven and you went, oh, yeah. I, I just think you're right with what you said at the beginning, that just this script wasn't right. It felt like a short film stretched out to 90 minutes and yet has that really good moment at the end. It's just such a pity the whole build-up to it wasn't there. But that said, again, I did like that ending. <laughs> I mean, that's nice that you got something out of this. Um, ultimately, I think the packaging is wrong here, that people watch it going, oh, cool, it's a romantic comedy. Chris Evans. It's you Captain America, Mom, I want to see it. <laughs> he did another film, another romantic comedy recently called Playing It Cool. And, um, you know, he seems to kind of step between this basically being Captain America and being the lead in, like, romantic, straight-to-DVD type things. What's Your Number, for example? Scott Pilgrim vs. The World was probably a really good turn for him. You know, the, the Nanny Diaries with Scarlet, uh, just these, the amount of kind of, because he's a handsome guy, the amount of kind of, um, you know, leading roles where he can be the love interest in a rom-com 
it's an easy fit. And it's probably a nice paycheck for him, isn't it? But in terms of directing, I mean, unfortunately, it's just nothing particularly stand out about it. Uh, I think the problems are mostly with the story. I think it's mostly with the fact that they've tried to do kind of a bottle episode in terms of two characters all night talking. Also, it's not a love story. It's not a romance. It's straight up drama. I hope this doesn't put him off like the failure of this film. And I do hope he continues to to make movies and improve because, you you know, you starting out in anything new, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And um, he definitely would have learnt a lot from this film. And I do think the, the next one he makes will be a big improvement. I agree. And he's not down to do anything at the moment. Probably good to let it kind of cool off for a while. But um, I'm sure he'll pick it up again. And especially because actors aren't handsome forever and actors don't get to work forever and you're not always going to be Captain America. I mean, there's already, there's Bucky in the wings. <laughs> there's, uh, you know, there's people who want to step in and, and wear the Captain America outfit. You know, Falcon wants to be Captain America too. There's already people lining up to take the mantle. So uh, eventually I think he has to kind of step away from it and whether or not they kill him off in Infinity War or how he wants to go out, we will see. And then uh, maybe we'll get the film that suits his directing style and, and maybe after his, his uh, I guess, attempts at Captain America and whatever else he does. I mean, he's doing Jekyll, uh, the film called Jekyll, and there's another one called Gifted coming up in 2017. He's got other things on the horizon. He's going to learn the craft. It's going to make him a better director for his next project. Look, uh, that was Before We Go, a uh, 2014 film. If you have a recommendation for us, you can find us on Facebook. Podmeifyoucan.com is where you'll find all the links to our YouTube, to our Facebook, to all the back catalogue of episodes we've been doing. And uh, drop us a line. Let us know what you think and uh, whether or not you love this film. You know, visit your favourite movie. Uh, or what titles, I suppose, would have been better than Before We Go, because I keep almost forgetting the title. <laughs> I, I, seriously, I've been to IMDb, I've clicked on Chris Evans, and I've scrolled down to 2014 to find the title of this film <laughs> multiple times since watching it. And I've been like, what was the name of that movie again? It's very forgettable, and uh, it's unfortunate. But yeah, fingers crossed for his next one, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on Pod Me If You Can. Hit it. for listening please like us on facebook and follow us on twitter go to www.podmeifyoucan.com pod me if you can movie reviews 